Hello! Welcome to this week's episode of Between Two Gamers. I'm Liv, and I'm joined by Fruy. Hello! What's new with you? What have you been playing recently? Well, we finally got around to Borderlands after Did like five we? months. <laughs> yeah, and that's how'd, about you like- it. <laughs> how- how'd you like it? It was alright. Yeah, I hate that I have to be the driver. So Fruy is ahead of me in Borderlands, so he's catching up on the quests that I- I'm catching up on the quests that he hasn't he's already played. So he's for whatever reason not getting the marker for where we need to go because I'm picking up the quests. So I had to drive us there and the amount of times it flipped over the car, everything, hit fences, it's it could be worse. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean you're the one that blew up the car the one time. Look, yeah, it's not my fault. I got double teamed by two cars and they flipped us straight away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Other than playing Borderlands, um, I discovered something on the Oculus Quest 2. Have you heard of SideQuest? It rings a bell. Oh, really? You knew what this is? Okay. Well, I found out about this on Reddit. But if you have an Oculus Quest 2, there is a way to access games that are not on the Oculus Store. All you have to do is open the browser in Oculus Quest 2, hashtag not an ad, and (laughs) you go to side.quest.com. And there's access to games that you could download to the app. What is it? The App Lab. That's what it's called. And um, I've been playing the free games. You could pay too, but I wanted to like test out that the service works. So I've been playing the free stuff. But going back to our Borderlands discussion, I full-heartedly believe that I had a Resident Evil dream last night. And it was because of playing Borderlands with you. I uh, don't see how. But... Well, I'll tell you. This first of all, I still haven't played Resident Evil, so <laughs> these actions may or may not re- reflect the actual gameplay. <laughs> Who's to say? But while we were playing Borderlands, there were these giant spiders, and I didn't like them. And now I will dive into my Resident Evil dream that I had. I haven't told Fruy. I haven't told Fruy this yet. So I had a dream. It was in the third person, so it was very much video game mechanics. So it was like, picture a screen capture, right? So it was in the menu, and I had to choose between being Leon and Jill. But there was this option that you could play as both characters, and it will flip them in between scenes. Is that true? In the game? Uh, Does it matter? I chose to be... The flip between two scenes, and all of my dream was Leon anyway. I did not get to the Jill Jill part, which was homophobic to me, but what I digress. So, I was playing as Leon, and I had to go to this boarding school, but I couldn't get to the door of the boarding school because these giant spiders were in the way. So, I had to shoot all these spiders out of the way, and then the guards at the school, for whatever reason, there were guards at the school, and I ran out of bullets. So then, I had to pick up, like, this two by four piece of wood and take out these spiders and these guards. And I killed one of the guards with, I say I as Leon. I fully believe that I am Leon in this game because I'm playing it through the video game like lens. So I kill this guard with this two by four and I pick his pocket and I unlock the, the door to the school. And it was like a boarding school. And I had to like find the Dean because he had this like information. But they they were expecting me to be there. And I had, it was Halloween. 
and that matters in a second. It was Halloween. There was, like, pumpkins everywhere. But you know how in a video game when you pick something up, you can, like, it will go into, like, that inspector mode where you can, like, rotate the object and such? Yeah. So I picked up an apple, and I had to, like, skin the layers off of the apple. So I'm doing that. I had to do it, like, multiple times. And at the bottom, this is so bizarre. I can't even tell you. I can't even tell you how I thought of this. So at the bottom of that core of the apple, there was, like, a, like a human mouth. And I took it, and then <laughs> I picked up a pumpkin, and I stuck it into the pumpkin, on the bottom of the pumpkin, so then it opened up, and it instantly became a carved jack-o'-lantern, and I got to put it on my head to disguise myself, <laughs> to go track down the dean and get these files, and then the dean found out it was me, because I'm a freaking jack-o'-lantern and i had to flee the scene and i waited for the bus because i had to like track down this guy but the bus was taking too long to get there so then i said fuck it i don't want to wait for the bus anymore and i started walking towards town and because i was walking towards town there was a scene change and all of a sudden i wasn't in resident evil anymore and it was me and i went to go get lunch with my friends so is any of that <laughs> so is any of that um applicable to resident evil maybe the spider part but okay. apart from that so um thoughts on my dream i had to meet my mic so i didn't burst out laughing oh so yeah. that sums it up. Oh, okay. Uh, favorite parts? Any questions? I, I'm open to follow-up questions. Oh, I'm just more bizarre that you just didn't carve a jack-o'-lantern out of a pumpkin that was there rather than constantly peel an apple and then put a human mouth on there. I, I honestly don't know where that came from, but it was super creative. It was so video game-esque because like you're in the inspector mode, you rotate the apple, and you have to click A multiple times to skin the apple to find the human mouth, and then you instantly plug it into the bottom of the jack-o'-lantern, and it just becomes a carved jack-o'-lantern. It just sounds like an unnecessary step. I cannot tell you how or why my brain came up with this. <laughs> but I am glad that everyone enjoyed my story. I'm assuming when this podcast comes out that you enjoyed that story. And no, I, I can't explain how it happened. But this week's episode is not about my dreams. That was that last section. We will be doing a Dying Light story recap since Dying Light 2 Staying Human is coming first. Coming first? Coming out. Dying Light 2 is coming out very early in February, is what I wanted to say. But before we hop into the Dying Light recap, there is some news and some rumors. So let's dive into it. PlayStation attended CES and showed off, yet again, the controllers of the PSVR 2. And they showed the specs, they talked about it, and even showed a quick clip of Horizon Call to the Mountain. Is the PSVR 2 something that you are interested in? I don't know, because I keep getting suckered in with VR. I play it for a bit and then I sell it because nothing comes out, and then I end up buying another one for one game. So do you feel like this is going to be a purchase that you get sucked into? I don't know. It depends if they do some good horror. Like what? Anything. Just like... <laughs> I'd like a new Silent Hill. But I don't think that'll be 
coming out, let alone in VR. Yeah, I keep dreaming. Do you have any realistic expectations? Um, I think you'll just get like the Five Nights at Freddy's and stuff like that. Okay. That won't be PlayStation VR exclusive, but Horizon Call to the Mountain will be. And what they said about this was it's going to be a separate story in the Horizon world. You're going to play it as a different protagonist, not Aloy, but Aloy is still in whatever this is. But the very quick clip that they showed was you seemingly on like a boat and or it's assumed you're on a canoe or something and a tall neck steps over you and it ends. But it looks very beautiful and... My biggest question about this is how do you turn the combat in Horizon Zero Dawn into a first-person game? Why can't you? I just feel like it's hard. Is it? Maybe not. Tell me why it's not. Well, because, like, your bow and arrow is pretty much already in different VR games. Okay. And they've done stuff like Arizona Sunshine, which is just a shooter game, but you can also use melee weapons. So, yeah, you're not going to have the fancy flicks and all that, but as long as you can swing, you've got a VR game. I guess I'm thinking more of, I've rolled a lot in Horizon Zero Dawn to evade enemies, so I'm thinking about evasion, and I'm thinking about climbing. How would you get around doing that? Or would you, you just, just cut it? You just to roll. Oh. If you want to roll and then climb, it's just a simple, like, hand up, hand up, hand up. Okay. I am convinced. You got me. Of course they announced the PSVR 2 after I get the Oculus Quest 2, but I'm thoroughly enjoying my Oculus Quest 2, so I would need to see more for the PSVR 2 to switch back to it. Yeah. Other than that, PlayStation showed Neil Druckmann, and he said that Naughty Dog is working on multiple projects. So, um, Last of Us Factions 2, Last of Us Part 3, probably some Uncharted game. Anything you want to add to those things? No. I just like Neil Druckmann, give me something. Just give me something. But whatever, it's fine. Whew, I'm okay. Ubisoft and Xbox have a partnership now, and it's a separate subscription, but Ubisoft Plus is coming to Xbox for an additional... Additional purchase. Is this something you're interested in? No. Yeah, I'm not either. But this seems to be an exclusive partnership with Xbox. And it has not been announced to go to other platforms. So why do you think this is a thing? Uh, I think it's just to try and drive up Ubisoft a bit more. So like more people that play like Siege and stuff, I assume, must be on Xbox. Oh, that, yeah, okay. Because I know the new C- uh, Rainbow Six game ha- has been announced for Game Pass Day 1. Oh, there you go. Okay, so that makes sense. So do you think Ubisoft games will no longer be in Game Pass and they will be available through this additional service? No, I think, they'll, if anything, more will go into it, Game Pass. Then what's the point of the additional? For the extras. What do you mean the extras? Oh, so like the base game will go into yeah. Xbox Game Pass, and then if you want the game with the all the DLC included, you'll pay for the plus. Yeah, or if they have like um, exclusive drops and stuff like that, I guess depending on the price, it might be worth doing that mm. if you're into them games. Interesting. Okay, I don't play a lot of Ubisoft games, so I don't really care. You? 
I'm the same. <laughs> Noted. To round out the news portion of the show, E3 is online for 2022, and if you're on Twitter, everyone's calling it the death to E3. Do you think E3 is dying out? Uh, probably. I, I've never really understood the hype for like E3 and stuff, because 90% of what you see doesn't have dates. Yeah. So I, I, it just doesn't interest me at all because I'm like, great, you're showing stuff that I can't have for who knows how long. Yeah. I'd much rather all these events do 90% of what you can expect in the next 12 months and then that 10% for, but this is stuff we've got coming in the future. Uh-huh. Do you think that is a model someone will adopt? I think they might have to. Oh, why is that? Because of the delays. Yeah, because like everything you see now, like Dying Light's been delayed a few times. Horizon's been delayed, God knows how many times. God of War delayed, I don't know how many times. Lego Star Wars, that's <laughs> still probably going to get delayed again. Yeah, but it just seems to be the decade of delays. Decade of delays. I feel like if anything, Nintendo would probably be the closest to adopt that. What's coming in twelve months? Because like they will drop a Nintendo Direct, and I feel like they usually show things that are closer. Yeah, yeah. But death to E three. Who knows? I mean, a lot of companies are moving towards doing their own events anyway, so maybe. And if they aren't doing their own events, Jeff Keighley with the Game Awards is getting a lot of it, and his the summer of gaming is a part of E three, I believe, or it's around the same time. So. I don't really know what to make of that, but I'm not surprised that this is online. Although, as of right now, PAX is going to be in person this year, but I feel like that might get moved to online as well. The only rumor I've seen this week is that Mario Kart 9 is in the works, but with a twist. Do you actually believe this rumor? No. Why is that? Because I, I just don't think it is anytime soon. Yeah, I mean, Mario Kart 8 is still selling very well. Yep. So I don't... I feel like Nintendo's not really one to already move on to the next project when their games are already selling very well. But let's play with it a little bit. What twist do you think they're talking about? Do you want to just wildly speculate or make a crazy idea up? What do you know what it is? Or apparently it is. Oh, no. Oh. Um, poof. So what can you do to Mario Kart? I have something. Put planes in it. Oh my god, that's what I was going to say! <laughs> oh my god! Oh, twins! This is why you're my bestie! Oh my god, I was thinking planes too, as you could tell from my voice. Okay. Nice. I was thinking that, like, you have the... The motorcycle races and the cart races, and then you could have airplane races strictly. Boats. And then you could boats. Well, there's no water on it. You can make a water course. Boats only. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, you might do that. You can make your own levels. Make like your Mario own levels. Maker. Yeah. Mario Maker. What is? Did you not know what Mario Maker is? No. So it's a game where you make your own Mario levels, and then you can submit them for other people to play and stuff. Oh, what is that on? Uh, Switch. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh, the more you know. There's two of them. 
<laughs> Look, guys, I play like three games on my Switch. So it'd be interesting if you can make your own Mario Kart course. That might be good. That would be cool. Do it GTA style. So you can start off in a car, then you go to a boat, once you hit a checkpoint, and then a plane, and then back to a car or a bike. Ah, uh, yes, the uh, triathlon, but yeah. <laughs> with cars and planes and boats. I like it. I would like to advocate for Nintendo to hire free. Hmm? I, I want Nintendo to hire you because you have good ideas. Well, I could have saved the Wii U, but never mind. You could have saved the Wii U, but they chose not to. Any other rumors or news that you've heard this week? Nope. Nope. So let's dive into Dying Light. So, just before we hop into the recap, when did you play Dying Light? Did you play it around launch or did you play it much later? I played it the day it was launched, the minute it went live. Oh, really? Because I was staying up to watch a Super Bowl, and it came out the same day, so I thought, you know what, I'll play that while I'm watching the Super Bowl. Super Bowl? Like, our Super Bowl? Yeah. Why were you watching that? I don't know, I watch it every year. Oh, do you? Yeah. Oh, nice, I didn't know that. Okay, so, <laughs> what enticed you about Dying Light? It's a zombie game, that's all you need from me. Okay, so let's let's go through it. I will let you take away the recap. Okie dokie. So, Dynelight opens up in the city of Haran in Turkey, where the infected zombies have taken over the vast majority of the area's streets, skyscrapers, and underground systems. Now, the players get to play as Kyle Crane, a GRE member, which is the Global Relief Effort, which drop air packages into the city for survivors to survive. Now, why he's been dropped in is to find some extremely sensitive documentation that is being used to blackmail the GRE. Okay, so that opening sequence in Dying Light was pretty intense. Yes. It was. So I, I remember like being captivated right away. Did you feel the same? Yeah, I thought it was cool the, the way you just paraglided for the start. Yeah, yeah. So... What happens after that? Uh, once you land, you got the hell beat out of you, which was an interesting way to start the game. <laughs> so a punk crane is immediately attacked and bitten by a zombie as he tries to fend off an attack of Jade Aldemir, a fellow survivor who comes to his aid. Jade takes Crane to a survivor hideout known as the Tower, which is the game's central hub. This is where Crane meets Jade's brother Raheem. After a few quick parkour lessons, Crane discovers that Royce is constantly attacking the tower's survivors and stealing their supplies, in particular their artisan, which is a temporary cure for being infected. Crane ventures out to secure an artisan crate that has been dropped by the GRE, but upon arrival he is told by the organisation to destroy the crate and go after Royce to ensure that he is the intended target that they are looking for. So, what did you make about having to blend in with the tower? Did you like it, or did you want to be honest with who you were? Uh, no, I thought it was quite cool, because I thought there'd be a bit more of a twist than there was. Oh, yeah. Well, we'll get into that. I would like to hear what you were thinking about that. But, Rise, why the, Why is? what's with the documentation with Rise? Do you want to dive into who he is as a character? Uh, so, Rise is essentially the, what would you call him, Lord, Warlord? The Major yeah. Ant. Yeah, warlord, major antagonist in the Dying Light game. So he has his own crew, and it's all about looking after himself, but he has stumbled upon some paperwork that it couldn't have fallen into anybody's hands but his and been any worse. <laughs> of course. So then, 
let's go into how Crane ends up kind of working for him. Crane, as instructed by the jury, goes to Royce and agrees to work for him to earn two crates of artisan for the tower. Confirming his identity in the process, Crane completes the tasks, but Royce shortchanges him, only giving him five individual vials of the drug. The GRE stop airdropping supplies into the tower for the survivors, so Crane stops communicating with them. Yeah, so it's very interesting how Kyle Crane's relationship with the GRE changes. What do you think was, other than them not dropping it, do you think there were other things along the way that made him become more of a a person of the tower than what his initial job was? I think it's more just down to that human factor. Yeah, being around the people. Yeah, so like it's the kind it's a very Resident Evil sort of sitch. So you had like the stars and an umbrella. So that is like your comparison here. But then obviously when you get one between the two, things change because they experience it from the other side and then they're turned on by their representative leaders. Yeah. It's funny how things change when you're actually in the field. So how does Crane end up turning on not turning on rise but going back with the tower people how does that work so due to only having the five crate uh five vials of artisan he clearly needs more yes. so with the surprise running very low jade and crane head to royce's nearby storage building hoping to find the drug and steal it instead they find high explosives which can be used to destroy a volatile nest raheem suffers fatal wounds during this mission and becomes infected himself that was so sad. That was yeah, sad. but it was kind of coming. Yeah, it was. He did have... Rahim had very big ideas, but didn't really know how to execute them, in my mind. Captain... It's basically you in these sort of games. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, whatever. So after Rahim kicks the can because of him blowing up himself and such... Uh, what happens? What's the new plan for Crane in the tower? So, once Re- Crane returns to the tower, he learns that Dr. Zeri, a tower survivor determined to find a cure, has been captured by Royce. Crane rushes to the rescue of the doctor and learns the sensitive information he was tasked with retrieving contained the GRE's plans of weaponizing the Hatran virus. Crane also learns that the Defense Ministry is about to firebomb the city and sets off to repair radio towers to broadcast an SOS. So, did you expect this to happen? I did, but I did think the tower wasn't going to be so innocent as it was. Oh, what did you expect? I thought you'd kind of get the crates and then be tossed out because you were infected. Oh, interesting. Well, I mean, they need the crates because the people that they have are infected, though. Yeah, but it was like, you're not one of them. So yeah. like, at the start, there was always that conflict of you were the outsider and you were trying to prove it with Jade. So like, Raheem uh-huh. never really wanted you there. Yeah, because he's like, we already it, have enough of us. Yeah, was it Blake, the other guy? Oh, the other, the guy that... Like, yeah, the, like, the head hancho who dies pretty early on. Oh god, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. But like both of them were pretty adamant that you couldn't do anything to help them because they needed to do it themselves. Uh-huh. So I, I thought you and Jade or you get kicked out and Jade may follow you out. <sighs> I love I loved Jade. <laughs> okay. So how does he end up helping the doctor? What what is the the closing arc of this first game? 
So Crane's message is successful in his SOS and the bombing is cancelled. The GREs attempt to contact Crane, trying to convince him that Zezre um, needs to hand over the research to the GRE. And Zere research goes to Jade, who is trying to uh, trying to get the research to Dr. Camden, which is like the top scientist of the area, if you like. When Crane fights Jade, she is already infected. And Royce has given Crane one viral of the artist and forcing him to choose between uh, himself or Jade. Now, this is a part I could see you mentally falling apart. I did! I did! There you go. Yeah. You want to know? <laughs> I had a major crush on Jade. Oh. Well, that does not surprise me at all. Oh, she's so beautiful. <laughs> and this whole thing, I was like, Royce, you asshole! Why would you do this? You already took Raheem. I already liked him. But Jade, untouchable! Untouchable! <laughs> Continue. So Jade does the unthinkable and sacrifices herself and turns. A queen. Now Crane takes the fight to Ryze's hideout atop of one of Haran's skyscrapers. As the GRE come to extract Ryze in exchange for the Zezre's research. The game ends with Crane deciding to give the vital research to Dr. Cameron. Camden, sorry. And so that he can develop a cure. Canonly, the game ends with... Crane staying in Iran, helping out the few survivors that are left to stay human. Wonderful recap. And I like that you said stay human at the end. So that is the gist of Dying Light. But let's dive into the gameplay and the characters. So as you can see from my reaction of <laughs> Jade's horrible death, um, she was one of my favorite characters. Was there someone that you liked to work with or anyone in the game particularly speak to you uh, I, I quite liked Raheem why because it it kind of felt like he was a, a little brother of Crane yeah okay I could see that I like Jade because she was hot but <laughs> I liked Raheem too I thought that this game was very unique in the fact that this predates a lot of the zombie games that I've played but in the zombie games that I've played, it's always that you are trying not to get infected the whole time. But in the opening sequence, Kyle Crane is infected. You have to deal with that throughout the course of the game. And there are certain missions and narrative beats that you hit where he, you feel the effects of turning and during certain missions. And I was like, oh no, is this going to be the end? Oh no, is this going to be the end? Did you have that same feeling while you were playing certain sequences of the game? No, nah, I knew you'd always be fine because, like, I've done stuff like Dead Rising and stuff. So it it kind of followed Dead Rising Two, where you'd have to inject your daughter to keep her going. Oh, okay. But it was just you instead of your daughter. You, yeah. I think. Could you think of a, a game that you're infected in the whole time? Or I feel like this is super unique. Yeah, I think it is one of the first ones that it's just you that's infected. Yeah, I think it adds a certain challenge yeah. to it. I also think that the gameplay mechanics were very unique. So were there any weapons and or did you choose to do more melee in this game or do like long distance weapons? I, I, I was always a fan of like guns and stuff, but yeah, it was quite cool running up and literally beheading stuff with a machete or like just whacking limbs off them. Yeah, there's several traps around the map as well where you can just kick zombies into like spikes or kick them i liked kicking them off the roof 
I always thought. Yep, Spartan kick. Boom. Yeah, the drop kick. Oh my god. I thought the melee mechanics in this game were really cool. And I'm not much of a melee person. I like to stay away from trouble. But I liked the day night cycle in this game as well. So mm-hmm. I was one of the people that are like, I want to go out during the day. But I see you as being, I want to go out during the night. 100%. Okay, so tell me about the nighttime experience. The nighttime give you that extra little challenge. So, again, a game that did this well for me was the original Dead Rising. So I think it's like after 7 o'clock in Dead Rising, the zombies always change colour, which meant they become more powerful. Okay. So in Dying Light, the bigger boys come out to play. <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> which are essentially just tanks. But then like, the zombies are faster. They react quicker. So it just gives you that extra challenge. But you also got better rewards for doing stuff at night. Yeah, you did. And you earned more XP as yeah. well. And So I was always down for let's make it as hard as we can because we'll get the best we can. This is true. Those volatile zombies at night are disgusting to look at. <laughs> oh my god, they are horrific. So in this game, if you don't like going out at night because you're a wuss, there's only a minimal amount of tasks at night that you are actually required to do for the narrative of this. If you want to stay in the light at all times, you can. But the you can melee and mod your weapon. Your, you can mod your melee weapons and guns. So was there a combo that you really enjoyed? Because my friend gave me a couple of really OP weapons. Um, because it's been that long since play, I just remember a lot of fire, but then I also did like to eat shock stuff. Uh huh. But yeah, I did like the flaming machetes. They were probably more my cup of tea. Yeah, I had a flaming samurai sword. I had my favorite thing to use was a baseball bat that had shock, and it was just so OP that I would hit a zombie and it would just fly off the map. It was it would be a home run every time. And then my friend gave me a gun that just never ran out of ammo. So I would use that at night. So I really powered through the game because my friend gave me OP weapons. I didn't, so I didn't have the most authentic experience <laughs> playing Dying Light. But what were your favorite parts of this game? I really liked the parkour. I thought I loved it too. I really liked the grapple hook. Yeah. You could go mad distances with that. And also, you could grapple hook to the ground so you didn't have to, like, hurt yourself jumping off of buildings. <laughs> I did that all the time. I used to, like, trying to find shortcuts by just parkouring. Oh, yeah. I just... I rarely was ever on the street. I was just yeah. on the roofs the whole time. And it was good because there are so... If you are a loot goblin, this game is for you because everything in the game you could pretty much interact with and collect, which I thoroughly enjoyed. I would say that I, the parkour is very one of my favorite parts, but one of my most appreciated aspects of this game has nothing to do with the gameplay. I loved the cutscenes in this game. The camera angle is incredible. When you are playing Kyle Crane in a cutscene, you are interacting with the people and it doesn't feel like you are a character just watching what is happening. It feels like they're interacting with you. They're always making eye contact with you. 
the camera angle shakes. It feels like you are agreeing or going along with the conversation, and it just felt so immersive. Did you skip the cutscenes, or did you actually watch them and do you understand what no, I'm saying? Yeah, no, I get what you mean. Yeah, I feel like this game does a lot better with making you feel a part of the cutscene. Would you agree compared to other games? Yeah. Yeah, I really appreciated that because I love cutscenes <laughs> and knowing yeah, the lore. Staring at Jade's face, that's all that was. That is definitely a perk. <laughs> definitely a perk. Before we hop into the DLC, which I will lead the discussion for, was there anything in this game that you didn't like, or would that you would want to be improved? No, I thought it was pretty well rounded. To be fair, I had a very hard time trying to find something I didn't like in this game. I even like the lockpicking mechanic. To be fair, I think the only thing I wanted was vehicles, but that come in the following. That it do. That so that would have been it, but they've already done it. So yeah, no, I had a really hard time trying to figure out what I would want to add or what I didn't like, and that's a that's a good game if I can't add anything to it. Yeah, I was just like, how cool would it be to make like a Mad Max car and just run everything over but then also so like you probably get like two streets in and then have to get out of the car because you couldn't physically go up some of the road yeah there i would have been challenging to yeah. drive a car in the main game but that's why they open up with dying light the following Did you end up playing any part of the DLC, or am I just going to, like, ruin the whole thing for you? No, go for it. <laughs> okay. So, you find out that you, from a survivor that is on the verge of death, that there's supposed to be a cure on the outside of Iran, on the countryside, and you tell Lena that, of the tower that you're going to go scope it out. So you head into the countryside... And it is vastly different. The map looks vastly different than the city of Haran. It's open fields pretty much everywhere. Also, there's water. There's a little beach. There's a couple beaches if you so want to take a swim. But the car becomes essential. So you have like a dune buggy that you could mod and add all these things to. And basically, it becomes a battering ram the farther you upgrade that vehicle. But there is a very small portion of the map that has a city central, but it's nothing compared to Huron because they're giving you a whole countryside point of view. So you head into the countryside and you find this little settlement at a barn, essentially. And it is a religious cult because, of course, there's a religious cult in an apocalypse game, which is hilarious but they're called the children of the sun and they worship someone called the mother and she is the source of their immunity that's what they believe but because they're a religious cult they're not really keen to outsiders so you have to do tasks to boost their trust so a lot of it is doing supply runs finding missing people around the map working with just doing a lot of chores essentially but you get close to a couple people that help you boost your trust. 
And my favorite character in this was also another girl who is a lesbian in the game, canonically. Ezgi, really emo-looking girl. But she's not really into <laughs> that. That's more of a me, I love that girl type of thing than it's relevant to the, uh, the story of the following. But there's this guy who's chilling at this mansion. And his name is Attila, and he really studies the children of the sun. And he tells Crane that the, peop- the children of the sun believe in this prophecy, that someone is chosen to rise up and purify the infection. Now, Attila believes it's him. The children of the sun believe it's Kyle Crane. So you start doing all this like field research for Attila and bringing it back to them. and. By gaining Attila's trust, he reveals the mother, her name was Jasmine, was a, a wife of the local military colonel who was involved in the experiments that caused the outbreak and was bitten. So he doesn't know where she is, but Attila ends up coming, becoming infected himself. And he gives Crane this code. And he's like, what is this? Like, I don't really know what this code is for. But he gives it to him. And Attila kills himself because he thinks that's how the prophecy is going to be completed. It's not, because it's not real. So, (laughs) you find out that Rise's people from Haran have also discovered that the cure to the virus is in the countryside. So there's this whole, like, race to find the mother. And... This is, like, the craziest part. The ending of this DLC is so crazy to me. So, you're racing Rise to find the mother, and you find her hiding out in this dam, and it was the, like, it was a special facility for the military to hold this chemical substance that they believed was the cure. And when I say they, I mean the the children of the sun. So the mother is a sentient volatile. She looks so horrifying. So horrifying. And she communicates telepathically to Kyle Crane because she can't talk. She's not human. She is, looks like one of those zombies. And the thing that they've believed in to be the cure is not a cure. It prolongs turning but you keep your senses as a human, like your mental capabilities, during the day. But at night, you turn into a feral volatile. And the people, the children of the sun, they don't know that. She stays away. She doesn't want to scare them. But she's like, this is not the cure. The only way to get rid of the virus in Haran is to blow it up. So the code that you have is for this giant nuke to nuke Haran and kill everyone. So then the player is given a choice. Do you give the code to the mother to blow up Haran and kill yourself in the process and all the friends and all the people that you've made and helped along the way? Or do you say, no, I hate you, and then fight the mother to the death? So... I was like, I'm going to fight you. And that 
was a terrifying sequence. It gets dark, and it's she just teleports. She's so fast. I struggled immensely. But since there's a choice, there are two main endings to the DLC. Obviously, if you choose the nuke route, you blow everyone up, and you die. If you fight the mother, she's already infected you. She, like, to start the fight, she blows the, the substance, the chemical sus- substance in your face. And you become infected. So, you fight and kill her, and then the end scene is you going back to Haran as a sentient volatile. So there is no win-win situation for Kyle Crane in the following DLC. <laughs> that was so mind-blowing to me. Whew. Thoughts? I think it's a good way to do it, to be fair. Yeah? Yeah, because then it 100% rules him out of the second game. Yes, there is going to be no Kyle Crane in the second game. It, it's one of the most things that is, like, Googled. When you type in Dying Light 2, it's like, is Kyle Crane in it? And no, he's either dead or he's a sentient volatile. Because <laughs> it's like, um, again, something Dead Rising did. So Dead Rising 1 was Frank West, uh, 2 was Chuck Green. And everyone was like, but Frank didn't die. Where is Frank? And then they ended up doing a whole DLC to get Frank back in. Mm, okay. So by killing him off, well, well done. <laughs> well done. Yeah. So I know you haven't played the DLC, but does that recap like interest you at all? Like, do, do you want to play it before Dying Light Two comes out, even though it's not story relevant? Yeah, I'll probably do it. I mean, we were meant to do Dying Light, but uh, yeah. I am a terrible human being. So, <laughs> um, it's pretty lengthy if you try to do everything in the game. Yeah. And. The driving mechanic isn't terrible because there's just so much open land. Like, it's very hard to hit things. There are, so, like, two, like... I'd, I'd say Borderlands is pretty open as well, but you still manage that. Um, there's rocks. <laughs> this game is literally just an open field, and then there is a city. And the city part, I just park on the hill, I grapple hook to the city and then I do what I want and then I grapple hook out like <laughs> you there's no reason it's hard to hit things other than zombies really there's nothing really to run into it's literally an open field sometimes there are scarecrows and I I didn't mind it and when you're so you have to repair your vehicle throughout the game so what they added because of this very open world nature is that your dune buggy has different parts, like there's the spring and the frame, and if you keep driving and hitting things or zombies attack you, your vehicle will become slower, and because it's slower, the zombies will hop onto the front of the vehicle, and you have to, like, shake them off. So you have to, like, make sure that you uh, have to repair your vehicle, also, you have to stop and collect gas so you can siphon gas from cars. But also, mm-hmm. if you're at a gas station, you can just use the the tank from there. So that is, you have to, like, plan. If you want to drive from one end to the other end, like, you have to be like, okay, I'm going to stop here for gas or I'm going to stop here. So there's planning around it. I thought it was very interesting 
that they have this religious cult. I was trying to figure out, like, what their play was the whole time. But to round out the Dying Light discussion for the first game before we dive into, like, what we're going to expect for the second game, what? how would you rate it? What were your... The highs and the lows for you. Do you have, like, your favorite parts and your least favorite parts? Give it a rating out of 10. Nine. Nine. Pretty solid. Why nine? Yeah. So, one of the best stories. It was a really cool, new, interesting twist on a zombie game. Different ways to play it. Uh, Like, your abilities and stuff. That was a nice addition. The slow-mo effects. Yeah, the melee when, killing. Like you could break bones and stuff like that. That was pretty cool. Uh-huh. So yeah, give it a good nine. I would I would agree with that. I what I really did appreciate, you're gonna hate me when I say this. What I really appreciate about this game is that it doesn't penalize you for not playing it with people. <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> like Now you see, by you playing it on your own, you've missed some good stuff. What do you mean? So it was one of the first games that I noticed did this. So there is be a zombie mode, which means somebody can join your game as one of the the zombies, but one of the special mutated ones. Uh-huh. So while you're doing your mission, I could be stalking you the whole way through it. I would hate this. And then just kidnap you. I would hate that. <laughs> It was so good. Just like, your game is being invaded. Oh, no. Oh, my God. I don't have ammo. Where is it? Who is it? Yeah, Uh, it just added that extra little bit of... Oh, yes. So, wait, how is that different than um, the Left 4 Dead or Back 4 Blood, like, infected mode? No, so it's more like, obviously, you'd just be doing your story, like, playing on your own. But if you had the online function on, Someone would just jump in. Oh, and just like try to find you. Yeah, that's. But then so you cool. get XP and stuff if you're the zombie. So you get rewards for invading other games and stuff as well. This map is so large. I feel like it would be very hard to track people down. Now, you kind of spawn close-ish to them, and then obviously because you're the zombie, you have abilities and stuff which you can use to find them. Oh, okay. But it was cool just not knowing what the hell was going on. Yeah, that is an interesting function that would totally piss me off. But, (laughs) like, I find Borderlands very hard to play alone. One, I find it boring to play alone. And two, it doesn't, like, you get overwhelmed very quickly with every, like, all the things that are attacking you. Like, I feel like it penalizes you for playing the game alone. But Dying Light doesn't do that. (laughs) So I appreciate (laughs) that. Um, <laughs> such a that's such a mean thing to say, but like it doesn't. But I really thought that this game was really unique. Playing as someone that is infected, the weapon choice was very unique as well. I really enjoyed it. I thought the characters were interesting, and I am excited for Dying Light too. Stay human. So, do you want to say what we know about this game, or do you want me to? Tell you what I've read and then have you fill in the gaps where you can. Yeah, go for that. Okay. So Dying Light 2, as you can see from our first recap, will not have Kyle Crane in it. You play it as a guy named Aiden Call Aiden Caldwell. And it's set 
in the city somewhere in Europe. Now, this map is supposed to be four times bigger than the first game, and I already thought that the map in the first game was huge. So, what they're adding to this game is, it seems like it's going to be a choice-based RPG. So, the player can work with different factions, and you can have favor with them, so they could either really like you, or you could just burn them to the ground if you so choose. And these decisions that you will be making will either open up parts of the map or close off parts of the map to you. So it encourages players to play multiple times in different ways so that you get to see everything that the game has to offer you. So let's break it down. Does this type of innovation interest you? Do you like the choice-based thing? Yeah, because it'll actually like change your entire like outlook on the world. So it will physically change as you do stuff. Yeah, so this is a choice-based game, technically, for you, where choices matter. So how do you envision yourself playing this game? Do you think you're going to be like... Burn it I've all... already made my mind up who who what faction I'm going with oh. before we even started. Oh, okay. I don't even know anything about the factions. So can you like go into that? So we have three factions that essentially control this world. We have the peacekeepers, which are essentially your police. So they're all about law and order. If you're guilty, you're guilty. No s- sympathy. Uh, you've got the renegades, which is all ex prison cons mm, okay and then you've got the survivors which believe in helping everyone and like making the best out of every situation so i think the renegades will give you better range weapons i think the peacekeepers will give you better melee weapons but the survivors will give you better perks or like um meds that sort of side of it. Okay. That's what I think is going to happen. So, which faction do you see yourself aligned? I'm going survivors. Yeah, I when you were describing that for the survivors, it makes me think of the tower. Is that what they are? Kind of, yeah. But it's more because I don't know if the stuff matters as far as when you set up these outposts and like you can see them growing food and this that the other is the food going to be something that one i can eat and heal two is it something i can sell because if you can sell then it's going to be better because then i can buy more stuff okay where like the peacekeepers i think will give you like the stun batons and stuff like that Mm-hmm. which will be good in different situations. But I think my first playthrough will be Survivors, unless they get really boring halfway through, and then I might just turn my back on them. <laughs> okay. So this game is encouraging different play styles. So do you think this game would be... Sh- do you think it's going to be shorter to like encourage people to like play it multiple times, even though the map's really large? So I have a hard time thinking it could be shorter? I don't think it's going to be shorter. I just think some of your decisions will make the game shorter. Oh, that's true. 
So it really depends on do you want to be a good person or a bad person. I would assume that if you try to be pretty neutral or align yourself with good people, the game would go on longer. And if you uh, <laughs> want to be a jerk the whole time, the game would be shorter. Do you have any predictions for Dying Light 2 that you want to make? You die. Oh, okay. <laughs> so that's not very different than the first game, though. Well, it is because you lived at the end of the first game. It was the DLC you died. Okay. So you think that even though... Oh, I think you will turn. You will turn. I think you will turn at the end. Well, I think there's going to be multiple endings, though, because of your place. Oh, yeah, there's definitely... Yeah, so, there'll be a lock piece and you could renegade and survivor end it at least. So I think if you align yourself with bad people, I think you might turn. But that doesn't sound like a definitive, like, ending. I don't know. Yeah, but this is it. So like, there wasn't so much of an ending in Dying Light besides you survived and some research made its way to a doctor. Yeah. So is this one more that there is a cure now? Or is it 15 years has gone by and we're still kind of none the wiser? Yeah, we don't know. Because, again, you could probably set it up for a third game. Yeah. By thinking that like, you cure yourself and you think all is well, but then somebody somewhere that you've met along in the story has turned into something different. Hmm. And then the game finishes. I wonder if there will be some sort of bridge between games one and two because the research gets to the doctor. How can he transfer that to other people? So I feel like if there is a bridge and there's a good ending, there's the doctor from the first game may somehow be related if they want to like go the narrative arc of there is a cure. Do you think that's something that's possible? Potential. I think, you, it, again, because it's not Haran, we don't know what happened in the last 15 year period. Oh, wait, that can't happen because some I people think... chose to blow up Haran. So the doctor yeah. could be dead, which means yeah. the research doesn't matter. Exactly. But I think, much like Back for Blood, I think the environment will have a lot of references to Dying Light. Yeah. So, like in Back for Blood, you've got the references to Bill and stuff painted on the walls. Yeah. And this, that, the other, as you're going through. So, I think you might have like something dedicated to Kyle Crane, and then like that cult might get referenced somewhere, whether there's a variation of this cult in the new ones or just like a book and someone happens to read a line and it mentions them. I don't know. I'm trying. I want to like think of like what the good ending could be, but like I just don't know. Like the the bad ending is very like you turn into one of these things. So yeah, I I'm excited for this game. Is this going to be a day one purchase for you? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I I don't know if I'm going to buy it day one. I did request it on key mailer, so please give it to me. <laughs> but closing thoughts for dying light 2 do you think it's going to surpass the first game are you hopeful that it will or do you think that it can't live up to it what are what's your what's your vibe oh i don't know um i hope it's as good 
if not better. Okay. But then delays and things, it doesn't fill you with the most confidence, but... Wouldn't delays fill you up with confidence, though? Because they're not pushing out no, the game. They're they, polishing they, uh, it. Yeah, and no, because it's like you've had long enough anyway. So what's the hiccups? And then we get a date and then they change it again. Mm. And it's kind of like, hmm. So mm. you're wary. A little bit, but I've got high hopes. Okay. I I haven't watched a whole lot of gameplay for it because I'd rather just go in and see what it is. But... I'm hoping that it is as good as the first game as well. So we will see what Dying Light 2 Stay Human has to offer us this February. That does it for this week's episode of Between Two Gamers. Are you excited for Dying Light 2 like us? Did you like Dying Light the first game and are hopeful that it is going to be as good as that game? Let us know. You can find Between Two Gamers on Twitter and Instagram to share your thoughts with us. Subscribe to Between Two Gamers on all major podcasting platforms. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next week. Zombie FM. Good night and good luck.